sisters who grew up watching the 10th kingdom and we love it so much that we decided to make a podcast about it oh yeah (laughs) that way we have an appropriate venue to discuss all of our thoughts on this amazing nbc tv miniseries that aired in the year 2000 we're rewatching and reviewing the 10th kingdom in 45 minute chunks and the plan is to publish 10 episodes of wendell radio to cover the whole miniseries we discuss the plot, the characters, the fashion, the scenery, the CGI, and everything else you've been dying to hear two randos talk about in regards to your favorite miniseries. Thank you for joining us on our journey through the Ten Kingdoms. Mur, mur, mur. <laughs> <laughs> um, please write to us at Wendell Radio 10. That's Rendell, Wendell Radio 10 at gmail.com. And let us know how you got introduced to the series, who your favorite character is, etc. And we might even read your letter on the pod. You can also follow us on Instagram at WendellRadio10 for notifications of new episodes. So yeah, um, that's where you can find us online. Our plan is to publish um, the episodes. We were going to try to just publish them like whenever we finish them. We're like, yeah, we're going to record every week. But uh, (laughs) that didn't end up happening. So instead, (laughs) our goal is to publish an episode monthly at the last Friday of every month until we make it through the whole series. This is episode four. And we are on schedule for that timeline. Oh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, so, yeah, some other housekeeping things we wanted to fill you guys in on. So, as we published the first episode of Wendell Radio, a husband and wife duo reached out to us because they also just started a 10th Kingdom podcast. What? Yeah, we think it's super crazy that two podcasts for the same kind of obscure show came out at the same time. <laughs> Quarantine must have had us all looking for an extra hobby. <laughs> for sure. We haven't listened to their podcasts yet because we're going to finish ours first, but we are eager to check them out eventually and are glad that there's more Tenth Kingdom content in the world. Yeah. Um, their podcast is called The Witch's Pocket, and you can find them on Instagram at Witch Pocket Pod. Oh, yeah. Check them out. Also, there's a Facebook group called The Tenth Kingdom Connection that's a fan page for the show. But when I posted about Wendell Radio in there to let people know that we love the Tenth Kingdom so much, we decided to make a podcast about it. The group admin kicked us out, um, and they kicked out the <laughs> Witch's Pocket Podcast couple. So I feel totally horrible about that. Um, so sorry, Witch Pocket Pod. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> really sorry. <laughs> um, but I guess like me posting about Wendell Radio like violated the group's rules about not posting for promotional things. But whatever. It was a nice group to be in because everyone there's a fan, and people make like homemade memes and stuff, and it was generally fun to be a part of. Um, so if you are inclined, you can join them. Um, there is a petition that you can sign that's linked on that Tenth Kingdom Connection group page to petition for the making of the Tenth Kingdom 2. Um, if you don't have Facebook or don't want to join the group or got kicked out of the group like us, <laughs> you can go to change.org and look up Make the Tenth Kingdom 2 Happen. The petition's trying to reach like 15,000 signatures, and I think they're about at 14,000. So if you haven't signed it already, please do. And maybe someday there will be a Tenth Kingdom 2 in our future. Also, thank you for our listener who sent me the link to that petition. Um, That same listener wrote in to let us know that we forgot to mention the names of the actors who play our beloved troll royalty. (laughs) So sorry about that. Uh, We do try to make sure to mention the actors' names, but we forget sometimes, and we don't know a lot of their names. (laughs) So we have to, like, look them up and make a little list. So um, without further ado, we'll do it now. Do you want to introduce our actors for the troll kids? Yeah, so... 
Burley the Troll, the eldest of the Troll Kids bunch. He's played by Hugh O'Gorman. Hugh O'Gorman. Shout out to him. Thank you, Hugh, for your awesome work as Burley the Troll. (laughs) Blowerwort the Troll, our amazing lady troll, is played by Don Lewis. And last but not least, the baby of the group Bluebell the Troll is played by Jeremiah Burkett. Um, Great performances from each of those three. They really bring it to the table with those roles. And like we've said before, their ability to really sell their emotions through their intense troll makeup is commendable. They also provide a lot of the physical comedy and great one-liners such as... She put us in her pocket. Yeah. (laughs) And suck an elf. (laughs) Which we use on the daily. (laughs) Alrighty, well, so episode four, we are here. Um... I guess we'll just give you guys our bullet point summary, and then we'll jump into them juicy bits. <laughs> juicy bits. Let's start with uh, our title for the show. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, so we have a new segment here on the pod where we're going to reveal to you all of our potential titles. <laughs> this episode, we ended up calling it Episode 4, Does It Have a Rumple in It? But our other potential titles <laughs> were... First, we have South of Mobile. Oh. <laughs> Hope everybody gets that. Yeah. <laughs> Rumple Stiltskin the Fourth. The Mad Axeman. Close your eyes. Dandruff. <laughs> or time for walkies. <laughs> so we did a poll with um, our frequent listeners, our mom and my husband, Alex, yeah. and they've helped us uh, narrow it down to does it have a rumple in it? <laughs> so uh, without further ado, here's the plot of episode four, which covers, I don't really know what time track we're in, but it's like the fourth 45 minute segment <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of the mini series. Sounds good. Yeah. And this one we... Um, we actually make it through part two of the NBC, like whenever it originally aired in five chunks. In this section, we'll make it through the second part and then into the third part. So yeah, so do you want to kick us off with our bullet point summary? Yes. We last left off with Virginia Wolf and Tony and the gold statue prince. They're going through the disenchanted forest right now and they're trying to meet up with Acorn in the next village over because he has the traveling mirror on his cart. Ah, yes. They're staying, the our trio are staying off of the main road because that traveling crone lady warned them that someone was hunting them and intends to kill them. How'd she know? <laughs> Psychic abilities. <laughs> so it turns out that the person going after him is the huntsman, the queen's huntsman. And um, yeah, they've got to stay one step ahead of him. Um, so yeah, they are making their way through the Disenchanted Forest and they happen upon a group of gypsies. The gypsies are pretty intimidating to the trio for some reason. I guess because they just like, I don't know, they do look kind of pretty sinister and stuff. Um, and they all just kind of have like evil glares, I guess. Yeah, and they're like picking their teeth with giant like bucket hunting yes. knives and stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's true, that's true, yeah. They have like large weapons. Um, and I guess they don't really know what to expect from them, and they all... Anyway, they invite them to, like, stay for dinner around this campfire, and then they all start singing and dancing and become much less intimidating. Um, the G- Gypsy Clan lets them spend the night, and the Gypsy Queen reads each of their fortunes, and we'll definitely get more into the Gypsy Queen. Oh, yeah. A lot to say about her. Yeah. After they spend the night with the Gypsy Camp, in the morning, Virginia frees all the magic birdies that they've captured, the Gypsies did... And the trio run away from the gypsy camp, and as they're making their escape, um, the gypsies wake up and get mad at Virginia and yeah. the group. <laughs> um, the gypsies do give chase, but suddenly stop because they're called back by the gypsy queen, who does a spell to make Virginia's hair grow, till she wishes she was dead. Oh, great. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> then the huntsman shows up and kills every single gypsy, including the wolf boy, which we'll talk about later, mm-hmm. using his magic arrows. 
But without the birds, there's no evidence of poaching, so he just straight up murders them for no reason. Yeah, seriously? What the hell? <laughs> no justification there. Yeah, because, okay, he has, like, all those signs that's like, no poaching by order of the huntsman. And I don't, does it say ever that the penalty is death? I guess it's implied. I guess it's implied. But there is literally no <laughs> evidence of them poaching at all, and he just straight up murders all of them. He didn't even know that Virginia and them even had stayed with them, you know? Yeah, that's true. He's just on a rampage. But anyway, the trio continues to make their way through the woods as Virginia's hair gets longer and longer and longer. They stop for the night at a rando cottage in the woods that they find. It's actually the dwarves cottage that Snow White fled to all those years ago, which was like 200 years ago at this point. (laughs) Um, Wolf and Virginia have a little heart to heart that we'll get into in a bit. One of the magic birds that Virginia had saved tells the trio that there is a magic axe that can cut her hair. So they bundle up her hair and start looking for the woodsman with the axe that they're told about. But Wolf can smell the huntsman on their trail, so they have to decide what to do. And they end up digging holes for Prince Tony and Virginia and hiding them. And Wolf leads a false trail for the huntsman to follow. Virginia ends up sneezing. <laughs> and Did they, give away. Yeah, totally gives it away. And um, anyway, Virginia gets captured immediately and taken <laughs> by the huntsman after sneezing. Yeah, and it's like pretty brutal too. He just like stands on her hair and as she runs away, she gets like whiplash and gets like pulled back and goes down. Yeah, that part looks really, really painful. <laughs> uh, the huntsman takes Virginia back to his hidey hole tree with a magic door. <laughs> And that's when I think we wrap up with the part two. Yeah, the credits roll for part two. And then it has like the credits and stuff. I have, I've been watching the Blu-ray, so it still has that. But you can totally tell that's like where the the climax of that one happened. <laughs> and, um, then we open with part three. Part three opens with Wendell's cabinet. They're reading a letter from Wendell telling them that he's laying low in his hunting lodge with a sprained ankle. <laughs> um, one cabinet member who has a mullet, so we're going to call him the mullet guy because <laughs> he's not named. <laughs> um, mullet man. Mullet man. He is suspicious that there isn't any mention of the Troll King crisis. Um, and all the others are like, well, maybe he just hasn't heard. A sprained ankle can be excruciating. <laughs> but he's like, oh, I'm suspicious. So I'll just go check on him and tell him what's going on with the Troll King and stuff. So he heads over to the um, Royal Hunting Lodge. Um, but meanwhile, the queen has been spying on the cabinet with her magic mirrors. So she totally knows that, you know, they uh, are kind of suspicious of this letter and are sending a guy to go check out his Royal Hunting Lodge. So she contacts the huntsman and tells him that she needs this guy killed, basically, when he gets to that hunting lodge. Um, and then we get back to Tony um, and Wolf, because Virginia's in that magic tree now. And Tony and Wolf are squabbling in the woods until they come upon the woodsman with his magic axe. Woo-hoo! The woodsman's blind, but strikes a deal with them. If they can guess his name, by the time he chops a pile of wood, he'll give them the axe. So if they're unable to guess his name by the time he finishes, he's going to chop off Wolf's head. With some help from one of the magical birds, they end up being successfully able to guess his name and get the axe. Boom, boom, boom. It's a great part of the movie. Yeah. (laughs) Um, While Virginia's in the magic tree, um, which we'll describe in a little bit, uh, Virginia learns that the Huntsman's backstory, um, but she doesn't give him any info on Prince, even though the Huntsman's like about to torture her. The huntsman gets called away to kill that cabinet member mullet guy who is checking out the hunting lodge. And while he's away, a magic bird brings, one of the magic birds Virginia saved, brings Tony and Wolf to the tree. Wolf is able to climb up Virginia's super duper long hair to rescue her. But before they can escape the huntsman, he gets back 
and they have to fight him. He ends up getting knocked out, and the trio is able to get away. They dig up Prince, and Wolf gives Virginia a haircut with the axe. (laughs) Yeah, and it looks really great. (laughs) (laughs) I totally believed that. (laughs) We'll get into that in Hot or Not. (laughs) Yes. Um... So they make their way back to the main road, and they find Acorn! Yay! But, alas, he's already swapped the mirror. Um, So they are now on their way to the village, where he swapped, I guess, the mirror for some lambs. Which upsets Tony quite a bit. Yeah. (laughs) We also are going to get, or we do get a brief queen scene toward the end of this segment, where the queen is trying to persuade Relish to stop his pillaging of the Fourth Kingdom, and basically ruining all of her plans. But he just continues to go rogue. He doesn't really care. The queen also reaches out to Wolf through a puddle and a log. Yeah, because it's like a reflective surface, like a mirror. (laughs) (laughs) Just genius. Uh, And reminds him that it's a full moon tonight. Bum, bum, bum. And that's where our 45 minutes ends. So, once again, the mirror out of their grasp. And now we kind of get like a cliffhanger of sorts. Like, okay, well, what's going to happen with the full moon? Something's obviously up with Wolf. Um, so yeah, so we'll... Things are building right now. Yeah, it's like, ah! So we'll get to that next time. Um, and also the lambs are a bit of a, for not foreshadowing, I guess, but... Irony? I guess it, well, he got them from Little Lamb Village, and that's where they end up next, I guess, so... Like lambs to the slaughter thing? Is that what you were <laughs> oh, thinking? Oh, no, that's great. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about that next episode. Um, okay, so for this, we had quite a bit of action, a couple different um, scenes, so let's jump into them juicy bits. <laughs> Gypsy camp juicy bits. Yeah, we love that. <laughs> okay, first, let's talk about these magical birds. <laughs> They're magical. They can talk. The gypsies, the wolf tells Virginia that the wolf, the gypsies are going to break their wings and then sell the birds to rich people who are going to eat them because they think they will possess some sort of the magic, I guess, that they eat. So that's kind of messed up. And the gypsies are total poachers, so I don't know that they deserve to die for it. But if this is their only primary source of income... There's some reason for that, though. It's like, you know, this whole structure is getting... Yeah, seriously. Like, people always blame the people who are um, capturing, like, like ivory trade, for yes, example. Yes, exactly. that's a good example. Like, the people, obviously, you shouldn't kill elephants for ivory, but, like, people wouldn't do that if people didn't buy ivory. So it's like, you have to knock out both sides of the coin to erase the practice. So just the huntsman killing the gypsies for taking these birds, like, you have to also get... I don't know, put put some policy in place, Wendell, when you're king, to, like, <laughs> make it so that people uh, don't want to buy magical birds to eat them. Exactly. Go upstream with that. And I wonder, too, if it's, like, kind of um, a stigma, kind of like how we've seen magic is kind of, like, um, it's something that you get addicted to, or it's something that causes more problems than it's worth. Like, Oh, yeah. I wonder what sort of consequences eating the birds would bring about. Maybe it's like some Harry Potter lore, like the second it touches your lips, you live a cursed half-life. A cursed half-life, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe so it just true. taints you forever. Yeah. So, um, but I thought this was an example. Remember we were talking about, um, Tony tells Virginia that she has such a soft touch. We literally yeah. had not seen that at all. No, she's been like a raging bee the whole <laughs> <Yeah>. time. <laughs> or moody, I should yeah. say. Not a raging bee. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, so then her, like, first example of that... Well, I guess she was nice to the grandma, which I guess we didn't really talk about. That's true. Like, she, she wouldn't check on her. She, like, checks on her and stuff. Um, Tries to get her make her breakfast. But now then she gave that old bitty a um, 
bacon sandwich and now she's freeing these magical birds especially because they were so pitiful they were like please free us i have three small children at home <laughs> yeah please let us free yeah ooh, that was a good impersonation <laughs> yeah and they really do come in handy throughout this whole chunk yeah of the movie. for sure yeah i don't know how they would have um like uh made the plot go on without the magical bird influence you know oh there's no way because they would have had to do something else for uh tony and um uh, Wolf to know the Axman's name and like um, where Virginia was hiding and all like, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, Wolf would have been his head chopped off. Virginia yeah. stuck in the tree forever and, <laughs> and tortured. He's a wandering lunatic. Yeah. <laughs> a wandering lunatic with his gold statue. <laughs> um, so if you were the Gypsy Queen and apparently your whole tribe's livelihood is attached to these animals you're poaching and someone let them free. <laughs> <laughs> and you had to do magic spell. Uh, we thought it would be fun to come up with our own magic spell. So do you want to read the Gypsy Queen spell? Sure. Gypsy Queen spell, stretch it, twist it, make it grow like a river, make it flow, make it whirl and pitch, pinch and tweak, make it grow till she grows weak, make her moan and scream and cry, make her wish that she would die. Well, that's pretty severe. So I wrote a spell, um, also has to do with hair, but I thought it would be even worse if it gave Virginia like that Wolfman syndrome. <laughs> like I looked up what it's called, it's like hypertrichosis or something, hypertricho something syndrome. Anyway, um, I wouldn't do a spell, but I'd be like, oh shoot, I'm a poacher, someone set my bird free, that's karma. Um, but if I was a gypsy queen and only had Virginia's hair to make a spell with, this is my version. Hair, 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 hair everywhere. Face hair, butt hair, hair between her toes. Make that girl's grow hair grow crazy long out her nose. She'll be so hairy, people will scream, She's scary! That was a great spell. And like, good luck chopping all the hair off your face unless you can shave with that axe. You're screwed, man. Seriously. Oh my god, she would be a great wolf man, though. Like, yes! Whiskers. And wolf and wolf. Yeah. Like, together. Wolf would never want to shave that, though. Or say shave her face. <laughs> So I, um, I love a good revenge spell and I decided not to do a, well, it's sort of related to hair, but I don't know how the gypsy queen would pull it off using Virginia's hair. But anyway, her, this spell is, um, affecting someone's nose and it, um, messes with your sense of smell and taste. Nice. Inspired by it, (laughs) COVID-19 symptoms. Perfect. (laughs) So mine is clog it, stuff it, make it swell, turn her sinuses to gel. Her face will run forever green. No wolf could love this wolverine. <laughs> Make her forget the taste of food, get no pleasure when she chews. No. <laughs> that would be really shitty. Never be able to, like, taste anything ever again. I don't know that there'd be much point to life after that point. I Especially mean. because, like, her, like, at the beginning, remember, she's like, I just need a man who's, who likes food. She wants to, like, open a restaurant or whatever. Mm-hmm. She couldn't open a restaurant if she didn't have a taste of smell. Or, that is so um, true. Maybe smell, but not, not sense of taste. Yeah, and to me, I guess they go kind of hand in hand, but not for everybody. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, they kind of do. Oh my gosh, that totally reminds me of one of our favorite lines from the movie Holes, where uh, the dad's trying to like create that stuff that people say your shoes don't stink or whatever, and uh, the secret ingredient is a mixture of onions and peaches. Yeah, and his wife is like, I don't smell anything. I don't smell anything. <laughs> that would totally be Virginia after your smell. <laughs> yep. Just like Mrs. Yelnats. <laughs> Good old Yelnats. <laughs> But yeah, so those would be some horrific spells to be put under. Yeah. Um, uh, for Virginia, they end up being able to rescue her and cut her hair off so then she doesn't, you know, actually want to die. 
Now we do know why they were so afraid of the gypsy camp. Yes. Or why Wolf was so afraid initially. That's true, because he had, like, this whole preconceived notion of, like, okay, don't mess with gypsies. Yeah, because they can do some crazy spells. Yeah. Um, if you had to do a spell right now for anything not hair related and not related to <laughs> Tenth Kingdom, what, what would you want your spell to be? Um... I'm going to be a little selfish. I want a spell to manifest something like a horse. Cool. <laughs> to have as a pet. So like a like a transfiguration spell. Maybe you could like turn a, I don't know, something into a horse. Anything maybe. Yeah, like a teacup. <laughs> <laughs> and then like at the end of the day, you could just make it back into a teacup since you don't have like a barn or anything. Yeah. Horse <laughs> Let's stick it right in my cabinet. <laughs> yeah. That'd be perfect. <laughs> but that is really selfish. I feel like I should do something maybe for like world peace or. <laughs> no, you just be selfish. Mine's selfish. Okay, what's yours? I am struggling with infertility. So I would do a spell to make me a fertile myrtle. Well, we're going to do that. Yeah. It's gonna <laughs> um, but speaking of spells, like, um, Alyssa and I definitely went through, like, a witch phase in, like, middle school and early high school. Still kind of am, maybe. Still kind of am, yeah. <laughs> where we uh, read this series called Sweep by Kate Tiernan. So shout out if you know that series. Um, it's the best. It's, like, super great. <laughs> um, so we would, like, go to Barnes & Noble and buy, like, magic spell kits and, like... Books of shadows. Books of shadows <laughs> and, like, write spells and, like, we were, like, obsessed with the movie Practical Magic. <laughs> um, and, like, in that movie, like, when they're, um, Sandra Bullock's character, well, when they're both Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman's characters are kids, they do, like, like, spells or whatever. And Sandra Bullock is doing one for, like, the perfect man because she all the women in their family fall in love and then the man dies and they all get broken hearts so she's like well if i do the spell for like a man who basically doesn't exist then i'll never fall in love and i'll never have my heart broken so she does one and she's like he'll have one green eye and one blue and his favorite shape will be a star so random yeah so just like <laughs> random stuff but i totally remember doing that as a kid yes. like just grabbing like dandelions and weeds and stuff and like throwing them into the wind like he'll have a beautiful smile <laughs> Which there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we're like trying to, I don't know. Manifest, manifest. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that's all the rage right now anyway. So that's we were true. ahead of the times. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, the bubbling pink goo and the, yes. the gypsies. Definitely tried to recreate that a few times. Oh yeah, for sure. I always love that. <laughs> it never worked though. Nope. Um, so while we're at the gypsy camp, I think the most important thing, or one of the most important things to note is that the gypsy queen ends up reading uh, the trio's fortunes. So I thought we could share those because um, I think as the story goes on, we can kind of call back to these because these all end up actually coming true, basically. Maybe not true, but um, they have some truth in them um, yeah, it's based almost... on what happens to their them and their journey. So we'll kind of, uh, whenever we get to these parts in the book, or in the book, in the um, show, we can be like, oh yeah, call out to the Gypsy Queen's fortune. Yes, and all of this is also, we should call out maybe then the Clayface the Goblins. Yes. Soapstone yes. carvings. Because they're, uh, they're similar. Maybe goblins are part gypsy or something. Oh, maybe. Or just that they're one even. like magic blood. Yeah. Yeah, or maybe they ate the birds. Clayface was like a runaway <laughs> gypsy camp person. <laughs> oh, maybe they ate the birds. Interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. so there's lots of possibilities there. Yeah. So th- when she reads the fortunes, I'll go ahead and share Tony's. Um, when he gets his cards read, she sees great wealth is attained and passed quickly. That's so funny because those magic dung, dung beans or whatever, he yes. literally had to pass them. Oh my god! Really quickly, <laughs> and he yeah. had to like he poop them out. It was like excruciating. <laughs> was it worth it, Tony? <laughs> so that's um, his past. In the future, he's depicted by the fool, the buffoon, and the village idiot. Great, <laughs> poor 
Tony. I know. <laughs> that can't be that inspiring for him. Um, and, like, so she reads, the Gypsy Queen reads Tony's cards, and she, like, reads Wolf's palm. But for Virginia, she just, like, looks into her eyes. So I was like, is this, like, soul reading? I don't really know what this is. <laughs> oh, nice. But she tells Virginia that Virginia's full of anger and conceals much from others. Um, she takes a lock of Virginia's hair, puts it into the potion, and I guess that's how then she divines the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, the gypsy says she has a great destiny that stretches way back in time, which is, like, now a running theme that Virginia has some sort of destiny. And she's like, I'm just a waitress. Um, not no more. Not no more. Apparently <laughs> you have this great destiny. Um, the gypsy queen tells her that she has never forgiven her mother for leaving her. And Virginia scoffs and is like, I'm not interested in having my fortune read and like leaves. Yeah, super rudely. Yeah, because uh, she's closed off from others. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, she doesn't care. That's so true. Yeah. <laughs> About delving into this stuff. We're sharing it. So uh, Wolf's the only one that's actually like really kind of excited for this yes. <laughs> opportunity to have his future told. Um, and he wants to know about love, marriage, children, how long it will take for the creamy girl of his dreams to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so adorable. <laughs> so when she, the Gypsy Queen reads his palm, um, she tells him she sees death. Oh, great. A young girl dead, torn to pieces, and tells Wolf that he's going to be burned at the stake. No. I know. That's really awful foreshadowing. She accuses him of being a wolf, and he reveals that her grandson is, too. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what that has to do, really, with the overall plot of this, like, I or this piece I guess of it. I, like, as soon as he's like, but your grandson is, too, she, like, has, like, a sly smile, and is, like, everyone's like, yay, we're besties now, and, like, they invite them to spend the night. Maybe that's why it was such a betrayal that, um... They let the birds free. Oh. Because they, like, include, like, just... I don't know, took them in, Yeah, I guess. Well, you'd think psychic abilities would make you more empathetic, though. Yeah. To someone's, like, plight in life. I feel like she should have understood, like, Virginia, why she... Her soft touch. Yeah. How come she didn't know, like, anything about their, like, economic structure or whatever? (laughs) Like, how devastating setting those birds free was going to be for them. Yeah, so, I don't know. And then it also brings into question, like, so Wolf, his parents were wolves, or was one a human, one was a wolf, or are they, are they both half wolves? Maybe half wolf is just like a species now. But no we idea. kind of thought that wolves might have been from the kingdom from Red Riding Hood. Yes. What, what kingdom was that like? Three. Three. I believe so. Yes. Um, or two. Yeah, three's troll. I think it was two. Um. And so, anyway, so we thought that maybe, like, Wolf's family was from there or something. But then if this gypsy kid, he's the only wolf in their entire clan, maybe it's, like, a weird genetic disorder or modification or, like, a evolution. Yeah. Or maybe, I don't know. It can just randomly just pop up in families. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and it never explicitly shows that kid's parents. So he could have had two wolf parents or something. We don't know. That's true. It and just shows he was granny. just, like, taken in from the, by the granny. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't we don't know, but... Interesting. That would be really cool to find out if that info is out there somewhere in the book, possibly. Yeah. The lineage of the, the wolf. The lineage, yeah. DNA. Wolves. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so them's was our juicy bits for the gypsy camp. <laughs> All right, let's get into them juicy bits. Dwarf's um, Cottage. Dwarf's Cottage. So, yeah, they uh, end up taking shelter for the night at the Dwarf's Cottage, and it's the dwarves from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. So there's, like, seven little beds. It shows, like, there's, like, seven tin cups. Um, but it's supposed to be, like, 200 years has passed. So there's, like, graffiti on the walls. And it's, like, kind of unkempt, and, like, it's, like, a little dusty and stuff. 
Uh, but Wolf says that it's like a lost relic of that time, so that's kind of interesting. Yeah, there must be maybe some kind of cloaking spell the forest puts on it. Ooh, yeah, maybe it only is like, um, like uh, Snow White was only able to find it in a time of need, and now they can only find it in a time of need or something. Yeah, it's like the room of requirements yes. from Harry Potter. Man, love it. Um, but yeah, while they're there, uh, Wolf, well, they're like sitting around a fire and Virginia is like <laughs> trying to dry her like mountains of hair. Um, and Wolf is like, we really shouldn't have a fire while we're hiding out. And she's like, I don't care. I'm not going to bed with wet hair. Do you think that's what gives her, makes her sneeze? Her like hair? Like gives her, makes her sick or something? You know, it's like a wives tale. Like, oh, don't go to bed with wet hair. You'll get sick. Oh my gosh. I've never ever thought of that. I bet that is totally relevant or why she even says it. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely related. Because otherwise, be. why would she see as well if she's in a hole in the ground with of dirt? So I yeah. was kind of assuming <laughs> that was why. Or like just some stray hair tickling her nose. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, so she's drying her hair and Tony is like, um, <laughs> he's like, well, I never thought I'd hear myself ask this, but uh, what happened to Snow White? You know, after, happily ever after. And so Wolf kind of explains to them about Snow White. And then there's like four other women. And it was like the five great women of history. And um, Virginia's like, ooh, women? Like, yeah, that's <laughs> totally cool. Because there ain't none of that in our world, I guess. <laughs> yeah, apparently not. Um, but he talks about Snow White, Cinderella, Queen Riding Hood, Gretel the Great, and Lady Rapunzel. And like when they all ruled, um, that was like their golden age. And it re just uh, reiterates what Prince had told them whenever they were looking at that one map in Snow White Memorial Prison. Um, so yeah, I think, um, probably the juiciest bit, um, for the cottage is that after Tony falls asleep, um, Virginia and Wolf have like a heart to heart. Yeah. Virginia's laying on the ground amongst her heaps of hair. <laughs> yeah. Which looks so gross, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> wigs, like, but they're all different colors and different textures. Some are curly, some are straight, some are blonde, some are black. I think it might just been like the lighting because it does look better like with consistent lighting like when she's running through the forest or something. Yeah. But it just looks like Jill Taylor stapled a bunch of wigs together. <laughs> Especially in those, um, the light of the fire, you know, it's flickering. Yes, and exactly. It's hitting different parts of it. <laughs> but whatever, they're both like laying on her hair. Um, Wolf's kind of like sitting on his butt, like resting on his knee. Um... And his outfit and hair in this scene, like, read very swashbuckler to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, like, totally, like, buttoned open. And... Yeah, and, like, his little lapels are, like, open. And his hair is kind of, like, smoothed back where he just kind of looks like, I don't know, it's, like, a very roguish type look. We'll yeah. talk about it in Hot or Not. <laughs> Definitely. And he's also coming off super confident for some reason. You know, he mentions, like, um, he's like, well, I'm just listening because that's what my self-help books said to do. Oh, my gosh. So, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> he actually listened to it. Yeah. So he's, like, you know, really invested in this conversation. But uh, Virginia starts off by asking Wolf what he was saying to the gypsy wolf boy. And Wolf says he was just, you know, talking to him about wolf stuff. Um and that kind of iterates what um, Jules, our writer, our, fan, our listener that we read their fan mail last time, had said about um, like that being kind of queer coded, like two people who are different from others who are able to bond over their otherness and like the older one kind of helps the younger one out um, just to not feel so alone. And Wolf says it's a lonely path in life to be different, as you know, which uh, is very poignant. Yeah, very. And. Um... Wolf, um, he gets the nerve and asks Virginia about her mom. Ooh. So Virginia opens up a little bit and tells Wolf that her mom walked out on her when she was seven. The most magical of numbers. <laughs> yeah, totally. 
and that she rarely thinks about her, and she's not going to waste her energy missing her mom when her mom's the one who's le- who left her. Yeah, so she's obviously totally over this. <laughs> yeah, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then this is kind of where we, like, learn why Virginia is how she is, and it's because of this whole, like, abandoned when she was seven issue. Yeah, and I love it because she uh, references her grandma. She's like, you know, my grandma, my mom's like that. And yeah. Like, uh, with her dad and Tony and her just weren't a good fit. Yeah. Um, and Wolf tells her that she will ha- She just has to do something magnificent with her life because her hurt is so great. Which I don't understand why that translates into maybe having a tragic backstory means that you're destined for greatness or something in the fairy tale world. Um and she tells Wolf, like, they just split up. That it's not that big of a deal. Doesn't that happen where you guys come from? And Wolf is like, of course not. They either live happily ever after or they get killed by horrible curses. <laughs> Which so I just funny. thought was funny. <laughs> that is funny. But we know that's not actually true because in the Cinderella's kingdom, they have, like, a crippling high divorce rate, you know? Oh, yeah. They totally do mention that. they have, like, that. tons of um, step-siblings and whatever. So. Maybe they're all cursed, though. Yeah, that could be true. Um there's a scene, like, in that bit where um, Virginia's, like, super long hair, like, some of it gets into her face, and Wolf, like, moves a strand of hair out of her face, and, like, they gaze into each other's eyes, and you can just, like, feel the sexual tension building up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, their conversation's good. Wolf tells her that if she doesn't trust, she may not get hurt, but she won't get loved either. Now, that is a deep, deep line. Deep quote, for yeah, sure. I love that. Yeah, because it's totally true. If you can't trust anybody, like... Obviously, if you have walls built up, like, you're never going to be able to fully love someone or, you know, won't be able to love because you can't let your guard down. So exactly. As Virginia's letting her guard down just a little bit. I know. I love it. Super cute. Softening. Um, I remember the scene, like, feeling, like, super romantic as a kid. But not, like, rewatching it. I'm like, well, they just have a heart to heart. Like, there's nothing, like, ultra romantic or anything about it. But you can definitely see, like, Virginia softening. Uh, yeah, and she hasn't really interacted with anyone like this. Um, True, like she's never shared her like thoughts other than, I want to get home. Yeah, exactly. Being mad. Yeah. She's never truly <laughs> opened up. Oh, also, I do want to make a shout out, a little unrelated, not really though, the <laughs> graffiti that's inside of this cottage. Yes. <laughs> all of it, we paused it when we did our yeah. playthrough. And we're trying to read all of this. <laughs> yeah, all the graffiti. <laughs> yeah. The it pretty much says like one of two things, or only says, I think, Trolls were here. Oh, okay. So well, it's nice to know uh, that trolls are, you know, literate and they can leave graffiti. But why would the trolls be in? Um, why would the trolls be in the fourth kingdom? You know, I don't know. And then why did they come across this cottage and nobody else has? Yeah, it's really interesting. Why didn't they like sell it to some tenth kingdom museum or? Or Ten Kingdoms Museum. Yeah, or, is, like, pillage it and steal all the silver. Well, maybe because there's no leather, leather there. Yeah. <laughs> so they didn't care. <laughs> maybe they did take all the leather bits yeah, and like, left everything else. Yeah, like, spot to stay for the night. <laughs> but yeah, we possibly... I wanted it to be, like, Wendell sucks or something like that. But it seems like the... You know, this cottage hasn't been visited in a while. So the graffiti wouldn't really pertain to Wendell or anything. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> all right, any more juicy bits for the dwarf's cottage? Hmm... I don't think so. Okay. Um, let's jump into them juicy bits then for like the rest. <laughs> it's like forest slash woodsman slash huntsman's tree. It's kind of all rolled up into one. Um, so let's talk about the woodsmen. Um, so they, Tony and Wolf happen upon the blind act of the blind woodsman who has the magic axe and they need it. 
um, whenever they're squabbling in the woods, Tony <laughs> tells Whip, you're just a grubby ex-con, and, like, tells him to stay away from uh, Virginia and stuff. <laughs> grubby ex-con. Yeah. That, that was, was like, judgmental. So are you, Tony? <laughs> he was a Snowy Memorial person, too. But that wasn't his fault. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, and he was, you know, apprehended by the cops, but I guess that was also Wolf's fault for giving him the dragon dung beans. Yeah, Tony shouldn't bear any responsibility for that, okay? <laughs> All he did was swallow it and make wishes. Yeah. Um, and then they find, um, the woodsman and, uh, whatever the woodsman is like, okay, here's my deal. I'll finish chopping this block, all this wood. Um, and if you guess my name, then we're good. You guys can have my axe. If you don't guess my name, then I get to chop off your friend's head. Um, they're tentative at first. I don't know if they should do it. Yeah. And Tony's like, what is with you people? Yeah. Like, why is everything like, not unless you can lay a magic egg or count the hairs on the giant's ass. And the, the woodsman doesn't even elbow. I know. It's like, that is the way. Yeah. yeah. Like what? That's life around here, bud. It's great. Tony lines. Yeah. But because Tony, like, kind of knows the fairy tales, he, like, automatically assumes that, oh, you know, the other fairy tale I know where you have to guess somebody's name, the name is Rumpelstiltskin. So he's, like, very confident that he knows that this guy's name is Rumpelstiltskin. So he's like, yeah, Wolf, let's do it. Like, getting, what are the, what's that thing called that Wolf's put in? Do you know? Oh, gosh, not a guillotine, but no, it totally has a real name. I think it's just an N. The Stockards? Stockard, the... Yeah, it's like a Stockard thing. Yeah. Yeah, where he has his wrists pinned and, like, and his neck in this, like, wooden contraption. Um, so he's like, no, it's gonna be fine. I know, I totally know this guy's name. <laughs> um, so he guesses Rumpelstiltskin twice. Yeah. <laughs> which is not it. And so it's just another example of Tony making a bad investment <laughs> because of overconfidence. <laughs> yeah, j- definitely just jumping right in. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, do you want to read us all of Tony's guesses? <laughs> yeah, these are hilarious. So, like you said, Rumpelstiltskin twice, then Rumpelstiltskin Jr., Rumpelstiltskin the fourth. Anything with a rumple in it. Does it have a rumple in it? <laughs> Tom, Dick, and Van Dyke. <laughs> Dick, Van Dyke. <laughs> oh, then we have Bill, Ben, Jack, and Hagen Dawes. <laughs> yeah. He's blonde and mustachioed. I guess he could look kind of Danish. <laughs> yeah, totally. And some of these are from the book. They are actually in the movie, but um, I think Bill, Ben, Jack, and Hagen Dazs are exclusive to the book. I wish they had left those in the movie, though. Yeah. So then we also have Elvis, Sammy, Frankie, John, Paul, George, and Ringo. Ringo? I love the wolves. Like, what the hell? Ringo? He's obviously, obviously never heard of the Beatles, and Ringo's probably not a name they have in the... You don't think it's, like, super common? In the Nine Kingdoms. <laughs> Well, if Ringo's not common, these next few definitely aren't either. Uh, Sugar Ray. <laughs> That's definitely the perfect, like, late 90s, early 2000s. Oh, band. yeah. Uh, Cassius and Iron Mike, which is <laughs> Iron that Mike. one I don't get. Maybe because the, <laughs> the axe is made of iron? I don't know. Who knows? Good. I mean, A for effort, Tony. <laughs> yeah, A for effort. So then we have the Mad Axeman. Okay. And last but not least, we have the correct guess. Juliet. Juliet, which they totally got by cheating because the bird went and read the name in the brim of the guy's hat. Yeah, what a terrible life lesson for kids. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can just cheat your way. Use some magical birds to cheat. <laughs> and get, like, magical items. Those are so funny. I'm trying to think, like, how would I, like, guess the names? I'm, like, super into baby names right now, so, like, I feel like I have, like, a good list 
I would just go through yeah. the, every name alphabetically that I could guess, but I would never guess Juliet because that's traditionally a female name. Yeah, we can, you know, I definitely would never get that. Mm-mm. I feel like your brain would be primed for it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you know, I think Wolf might have had a better. I don't know. He might have been the better choice to do the guessing because he actually lives in this magical True. kingdom. He might know what's relevant, but Tony does well, I guess. Yeah, Tony was just like very convincing. I guess <laughs> but he was like, "Oh, I totally know it." Yeah, it's like Rumble Soulskin. And so. I did notice that. I mean, technically, he doesn't say Juliet before the accident has, like, chopped the last one. Ooh, he could have got him on a technicality. He could have. He doesn't, so maybe he he was ready to move on with life. Yeah, like he said, he's done this hundreds of times. Like, he's chopped hundreds of people's heads off. That's got to get old after a while. Yeah. <laughs> and did they say anything about that? Like, that's his purpose or something? Yes. Another destiny theme. Like, mm-hmm. it's his destiny just to... Oh, yeah. Sit there and chop people's heads off or whatever. Till the trio comes along, mm-hmm. or two of them. Yeah, it changes his destiny. <laughs> very interesting. So that was a very good comedic. Yeah, I love part. that bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we'll go into the woodsman um, when we get to Hot or Not, and he'll be one of our um, people for Lord Rupert's Fashion Corner. Because yeah. do we have stuff to say about his outfit? Love Huntsman. Yeah. Or Woodsman. Woodsman. Both of them. Lots They're of great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Um, Let's get into the juicy bits for the Huntsman's Tree. But first of all, listeners, I'm sure you totally remember and you're totally just waiting for us to like come back and give you more information about this. (laughs) Waiting on the edge of your seat. (laughs) Yeah. But last episode when we were talking about the Huntsman, we were like, he reminds us both of Anthony Hopkins. But they're like, wait, maybe it was Sean Connery. We just got them all confused. Um, But I remembered what we think, uh, why we think that he reminded us of John Anthony Hopkins. Yes. This is... And it's specifically Anthony Hopkins' character in The Mask of Zorro. Yes, with Antonio Banderas. And, and Catherine Zeta-Jones, yeah, which yeah. also came out around this time period. But we used to, like, love that movie. Mm-hmm. And watching it as an adult, I'm like, this is boring as hell. Like, what? why did we like this movie so much? <laughs> I watched it a few months ago. I oh, really? <laughs> I thought it was so long, but I guess I understood more of the politics now. Yeah, it's a little slower than I remember. And you're <laughs> yeah. right. As a kid, I wonder what we really loved about it. We probably just thought Antonio was cute and that Catherine was a badass. Yeah. And, of course, he rides an awesome stallion. So. Yeah, he has, like, a sweet horse, which is, like, Alyssa's <laughs> into any movie with horses in it. Yeah, can't tell. But, yes, they look identical. So if you haven't seen that movie or if it's been a while since you have, look up what Anthony Hopkins looked like. Yeah, he has, like, that sweet half pony with, like, the long <laughs> silvery kind of hair, exactly like the Huntsman, so. Wears a vest. Yes. Everything. Mm-hmm. A little dirty, little, you know, because. Piercing blue eyes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, it's his doppelganger, for sure. Anyway, we just, we just had to fill you in on that bit. <laughs> um, but the Huntsman, obviously, we know is played by the late director, Hauer. Um, yes. So, yeah, I think the juicy bit for this part is we get the Huntsman's backstory. Do you want to fill us in on what that is? Yeah, he was born in the forest, and the queen visited his village and called him forward. I guess there was kind of like a town meeting or something. And she tells him about a magic crossbow that she has, whose arrows hit the heart of the of the nearest living being as it's shot out. <clears throat> and it'll never miss. So he asks what he has to do to win that this bow, and she says, close your eyes, fire it, and it will be his. Be his. So the bolt struck a small child playing nearby. He says he remembers the queen's face when he pulled the bolt from his son's chest. What? <laughs> she said, you will be my huntsman. 
So now the hunt is his only purpose and only pleasure. <laughs> and he says it was his destiny to kill his son. So. Yeah, because Virginia's like, what the fuck? She made you kill your own son. And he's like, well, it was my destiny. Yeah, now you want to, like, make out with her hands and Yeah, stuff. like, be <laughs> her, like, little bee. Like, I don't know. Super weird backstory. <laughs> Tragic. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, that is just so messed up. Like, oh, I really want this possession so much. Okay, I'll fire it. Oh, it hit my child. Who I apparently don't care about at all. I think instead of, like, being able to place the blame on himself, he's just, like, you know, had some sort of identity crisis. And was like, well, now I'm just the Queen's Huntsman and that's my future because he can't deal with the fact that he murdered his own child. Yeah, that's gotta be devastating. They can even, I don't know, disassociate. Yeah, perhaps. exactly. Like, he's in a fugue state. He has been since then. Yeah, now he's just in her, under her spell. Yeah, now he just does not give a F about killing anybody. He killed those in all, every single one of them, them gypsies. And he kills the mullet guy. Mullet hair guy. Yeah, like it's nothing. Mm-hmm. So he says it was his destiny. So once again, we're just getting knocked over the head with his destiny bit. Yeah, I'm very I'm sad. Yeah. Wolf was right. Horrible curses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's either great or horrible. <laughs> um, so whenever they rescue um, Virginia, because the huntsman, you know, gets called away to go kill the um, mullet hair guy, uh... Wolf is like, Virginia, how long's your hair? And she's like, no! Like, she, like, knows what he's wanting to do. Um, but Wolf is, like, so excited. He's like, I've always wanted to say this. Love my life. Let down your lustrous locks. Yeah, he's having a really good time with I know. This. It's like, I'm so happy that he's, like, his, his, uh, his love fantasies are being fulfilled, I guess. Yeah, it's just so funny that Virginia is just, like, annoyed the entire time. And he's, like, living his biggest dreams. Yeah. And, uh, like, as he's climbing her hair, he's like, watch out, dandruff. And, like, oh, found a gray one. She's like, I do not have dandruff. Yeah, or gray hair. Good. She's like 22 or 25 Like or 19. Yeah. <laughs> She's freaking young. Um, but yeah, they get in and uh, Tony's obviously outside. And so they like make their way. He unshackles Virginia, I guess. And then they're making their way back out of the tree and the huntsman shows back up. So whenever they have like a scuffle, I was like that Tony's arm is like stuck in the door. <laughs> And he like, has the magic axe. He's like holding it in the door. He's like, I can't help. My arm is squashed. <laughs> so they just like get him out of the fight. And then um, Wolf and um, I can't remember who actually, I think Wolf or I think it's Wolf knocks him over the head with something. Or is it Virginia? I can't remember. But one of them hits him in the head and the huntsman goes down, but he's not dead. Um, and Virginia won't let Wolf kill the huntsman while he's out cold. And, uh, uh, Wolf's like, well, he would kill us, and she's like, well, I don't care, we're not killing him. And um, I can't remember who knocks him out. Probably Wolf. I can't see Virginia hitting anybody over the head with anything. Well, I thought she had the axe and hits the table or something. They do break the table because they're like, it's then like he's a just scuffle. like passed out after that or something. Hmm. So I don't know. I can't remember. I can't remember either. But he goes down. Um, Virginia won't let Wolf kill him. And Wolf's like, you're going to regret this. He's going to come after us. And she's like, I don't care. We're not killing him. So another example of Virginia's soft touch. Do you agree with her decision? I don't know. I don't think I could murder someone just because they're going to come after me later. Maybe not, but it's kind of an eye for an eye thing, maybe. I mean, he killed his kid. Yeah, and, like, he obviously had her chained up in a freaking... You know, when he even says, like, it's my destiny to kill you now. And that's right when the bell tings that yes. the um, mullet-haired guy made it to that um, hunting lodge. So it's like, well, it's not really his destiny to kill her then. If he was a true believer in destiny, he should have recognized that. Yeah, so maybe she 
well, she doesn't really believe in destiny, I guess, or anything, but yet, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't have done it. Would you? No, I wouldn't have. I'd chicken to help. Yeah. I can't even, I don't know. I probably would have taken more time to maybe tie him up when he was passed out. Yeah, so he'd have a harder time escaping, like yeah. shackle him to his own shackles or whatever. Yeah, make him like cut off his own leg, like saw style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just get out. You're hard to follow us with a stump, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, but I wouldn't <laughs> um, Okay, I think that was all the juicy bits for that scene. <laughs> The following message is brought to you by Dicey the Dwarf, attorney at law. Have you been affected by the recent invasion of the Third Kingdom's army? Are troll soldiers pillaging your village? Have you or your family been injured by the troll nation? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you need to write to me, Dicey the Dwarf, attorney at law, at 555 Winston Lane. That's 555 Winston Lane in the Fourth Kingdom. If you or a loved one have been affected by the invading troll army, you may be entitled to a settlement of up to a thousand gold wendels. I've helped thousands of wrong Fourth Kingdom citizens victimized by the invading trolls, and I'll help you too. Write to me, Dicey the Dwarf, Attorney at Law, at 555 Winston Lane. That's 555 Winston Lane, and I'll get you the settlement you deserve. trio are back together now um, they just rescued virginia from the tree <laughs> and they have to go back into the forest where they left prince under in a big hole in the ground <laughs> yeah when we say a hole it's not just like a hole but they put him in it's like it's like a hidey hole where there's like sticks and leaves like on top so like if you were um like if you were trying to trap an animal like what you would do like and then they would fall in because they wouldn't realize it was a hole so it's yes. kind of like that but there is something in the hole um so it was, Tony was in a hole and Virginia was in a hole and now they're digging up Prince out of the hole that they put him in. It was very well camouflaged. Yes. So. Um, but whenever Tony digs up Prince, <laughs> yeah, this is a really good line. You can say it. No, you can say it. Okay. <laughs> He's like, it's time for walkies. <laughs> so we said that to every dog or animal we've ever owned. I say it like on the daily to my dogs. <laughs> we go. Oh, it's for so good. Daily W-A-L-K. <laughs> yeah. They really like it. <laughs> um, so then, like, once they get back on the main road, they pretty much, like, immediately see Acorn. And Virginia and Tony are like, yay! And start, like, running after Acorn. To Acorn. Um, and it shows Wolf's face. And he's just like, ah, so heartbroken. Because he knows that um, if they find the mirror, that they're going to go home. Yeah, so I always sad. felt sad. And you could, like, see he's, like, heartbroken. And he just rescued her. Just got I her know. back. And he just lived out his, like, love fantasies and, like... Now, so we'll see later that's going to come back because Wolf is going to, he, it's a running theme with him that he does not want Virginia to leave. Yes. So, um, I think the most, um, the other juicy bit for this scene is that as, um, Tony and Virginia are talking to Acorn, um, Wolf is kind of like shuffling behind them and there's like this big log with a puddle in it and because it's a reflective surface, the queen can talk to him. So she's like... Um, you know, uh, come work for me or I don't, she doesn't even give him any demands. He's just like, I'm ignoring you. Yeah. Um, and she's like, well, good luck. Cause your friends aren't going to be able to ignore you when it's the full moon tonight. <laughs> so as the um, audience were like, what's going to happen? Is it like a werewolf situation? Is it like a, I don't know. Very big cliffhanger. Yeah, for sure. Oh gosh. Yeah. The first time watching it. I know. So exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so bum, bum, bum. 
what could happen next. But yeah, them's our juicy bits. Shall we jump into our standard segments? Absolutely. Cool. Let's kick it off with Lord Rupert's Fashion Corner. Lord Rupert's Fashion Corner. <laughs> All right. Um, let's talk about the Gypsy Queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gypsy Queen, played by Eve. Eve Pierce. Eve Pierce. So she has red, wavy hair with a rogues type of X-Men vibe. <laughs> yeah, because she has like that white shock like at her bangs. It's like totally like a rogue from X-Men. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I tried to do that to my hair in like eighth or ninth grade. Not sure if it was inspired by her, but yeah, very cool hair. I had hair. a teacher in, I guess it was 11th grade. It was like AP US History. And she had like a shock of just silver hair right there. At, oh. Not at her temple, but like literally right at the part. Hmm. And she said that her grandma had it too. And her grandma only ever went like silver right there. And that was it. And had a full head of dark hair the rest of like her whole life. What a great, cool family legacy. I know, right? That like awesome. <laughs> Looked out of the genetics there. Seriously, you're going to look like an awesome, awesome gypsy queen or like yeah. rogue. Like, jeez. Love it. That is too cool. Um... So the queen, she's wearing gold dangly earrings. Are these like the only earrings we've seen in this movie? Because Virginia doesn't wear earrings, right? No, she doesn't. And I have not been paying attention to that, but I think you might be There's just something. not a lot of women, I guess, but so far. Um, the bookseller was wearing earrings. Yeah, but she was from our world. Yeah, I what are the other women? Uh, well, we'll see some in Bo Peep Village yeah, okay. or town. Let's, let's pay attention. So far, she's the only one with earrings, I think. Yeah. She's got a lot of gold on, though, this queen. She's got a necklace of gold beads. She's got her earrings. She has a striped dress bodice over a white linen shirt and a green wool coat. The bodice of the dress has strings of beads across the front. It's really pretty. Yeah, it's very gypsy-esque. Yeah, it looks great. And her skirt is full ground length. Um, and it's a steel blue color with a couple of different colored layers underneath. Very classic vibe. Yeah, classic gypsy vibe for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's talk about Juliet, the woodsman. He is played by James Cosmo, which I looked him up on IMDb, and I know him from other stuff. What? Yes, he plays Father Christmas in the Chronicles of Narnia. Oh my goodness. And, most, more recently, <gasps> he yeah. is Commander Mormont, and he's the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch in Game of Thrones. Oh my goodness. I could not, like, without the big mustachio and, like, the... It's the blue eyes, it's the too. Creepy yeah. eyes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I did not recognize him. Good um, find. Yeah, thank you. But he is wearing like a blue and tan striped shirt, has blue lapels and like billowy sleeves. Um, so, kind of on par with just like kind of, you know, uh, classic fantasy, like Ren Fair type clothing. <laughs> um, he has a tannish colored open vest. Um, but it looks like he's wearing like straight up like blue jeans, which I thought was interesting slash weird like yeah. they're not linen or like um trousers really they look like jeans almost like denim um but he uh has like a brown leather belt and then because he's blind i guess he which is depicted by he has these like crazy contact lenses in um and they're like a ice white blue yeah so and he is like um, what we call the Danish boy haircut um, <laughs> in our family, <laughs> where it's kind of like a bob, but it's kind of wavy. <laughs> yeah, it definitely gets like a triangle shape to yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> a little heavy at the bottom. <laughs> or kind of like curled a, under. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He has like a big giant gold mustache too. Um, and then last we have Lord Rupert, because we haven't even touched on Lord Rupert, and he is the king of the fashion corner. So let's go over his outfit. We do get to see him in a brief scene where um, the cabinet is reading that letter that they got from quote unquote Wendell, a.k.a. the Queen. So take it away. Yeah, and uh, Lord Rupert, played by William Osborne. 
He's got blue and white striped sash tie uh, and a pretty bow on the side and bottom. <laughs> yeah, over like a like a bubblegum pink coat. <laughs> yeah, it's a really cool color combo. He has a white belt with the same gold embroidery on the top and bottom, so it looks striped, um, but it's belted on top of the sash. Yeah, and his coat has like shiny gold buttons. There's also like a embroidered leaf pattern on the yeah. collar and cuffs of the pink coat. So it's like... It's like pink and baby blue and white with all these like gold embellishments. It's just like a really great outfit. <laughs> um, there's like shiny gold buttons on it. And he has like a bunch of medals or brooches. I don't really know. They could be either for him, I guess. <laughs> yeah, they're like more medals or... Yeah, like military medals yeah. or something. Or, um, but they're like in his heart region. Um, and then he has like, which I had to look this up because I do not know what any of these styles of clothing are called. <laughs> he has these like gold, like the same embroidery leafy like gold leafs kind of motif on the tops of his shoulders and it doesn't necessarily look like cap his shoulders it's just like on the tops but um this could be an epaulette is what it's called oh it's french for shoulders epaul oh wow so, that makes sense yeah and coats is usually like military coats that have like the little fringe over the shoulder cap part yes. this doesn't have that but i think it's kind of the same thing absolutely it's their take on it yeah for sure and then um, underneath the pink coat, he's... What's he wearing? Um, he's got, like, a black blouse on. Yeah, not sure what the correct term is. <laughs> yeah. For a man's... <laughs> blouse on But it fine. definitely looks like a blouse. Yeah. Like, it's really, like, billowy sleeves and, like, the um, black, like, billowy sleeves come out of the pink coat. And then it has, like, um, uh, like a really high collar that even is higher than the collar of the pink coat that he has on, so... Well, he's obviously the trendsetter for... For sure. Also, it looks really hot. <laughs> yeah, all of them would be boiling alive in yeah. those wool freaking giant coats. Coats, yeah. With a sash, with a belt, with an undershirt. Like, it's like nuts. Yeah, do they not have rules or etiquette for when to wear their absolute most, like, dress blues or whatever they're called? It's like, it's all not always appropriate. <laughs> yeah, but... like, you guys can be Cash Fridays. Like yeah, that. exactly. But I'm glad they didn't because, of course, then we got to see Lord Rupert. Yeah. And uh, he's pairing this all with black pants, and they have kind of the same striped look as his belt, where it's like gold on the outsides and a white center stripe yeah, with so, some black boots. Again, it's just a complete ensemble. Complete ensemble. You know, we should rank these outfits. Or we, we should, should say, like, which that. ones we'd want in our own closet or something. Okay. Let's rank them, because I don't know that I'd actually wear any of these. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm surprised you're like, This wouldn't be a normal outfit. Besides Virginia, I would wear her outfit all the time. Oh, my goodness. Any other, any, yeah, her coat or the queen's oh, outfits. Oh, gosh, yes. Well, yeah, let's, um, we let's rank them. A... You want to do out of five stars? Maybe? Yeah, sure. Okay, Gypsy Queen's outfit, including her red wavy hair with the X-Men chunk. I'm going to give her three out of five stars. Okay. I would too. I feel like they could be more colorful. Yeah. Her gypsy garb. Um, I feel like it's a little what you expect, sort of. And the other characters don't give me that vibe. They yeah, all have... Everything's more opulent for them. Yeah. And I get it. I mean, she's you know, living in a caravan. And... <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't have time to be fancy. Yeah. She's probably like sneaking up on birds in the woods. So it has to be green. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there's... um. It's just not as imaginative, maybe, as it could okay. be, but I love it overall. I'll give it a solid three as well. Yeah. How about Juliet, the woodsman's outfit? I guess, like, a 2.5 out of... <laughs> I'm going to give him a two, because his outfit, not only... It just looks dirty, also. Yeah. Like, he's just like a... Well, maybe that's because he's blind. He doesn't really care. 
Yeah, and his, but the sweat stains, the pit stains yeah. are a little, a little much. <laughs> like, he never, I mean, his sense of smell is going to be stronger, probably. <laughs> yeah, he needs to wash his clothes. Yeah. And just the fact that he's, like, in blue jeans, like, I wonder, uh, that just looks kind of strange to me, I guess. But Tony's in blue jeans, and no one really bets an eye at that, so. Yeah, but that's our beloved Tony. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we'll give him a two and a two and a half. Oh, I feel bad now. <laughs> Sorry, Juliet. <laughs> okay, Lord Rupert, would you... Oh, five out of five. Five out of five stars. Me too, yeah. Clearly. He's like, <laughs> clearly the trendsetter in the Ten Kingdoms. Nine Kingdoms, I guess. Yeah. Um, he really cares about his outfits. Yeah, and the colors, and he matches the things so well, and, you know, the textures and the fabrics, and just all about it. He's got an eye for it, for sure. Yeah. Um, he also, just about Lord Rupert, when we get to see him in this, because we didn't really touch on it earlier, is whenever... Um, they're talking about like a, the fourth kingdom, like invade or the troll kingdom, the trolls invading the fourth kingdom, and like they have this big military map. He like pulls down a map on top of that and is like, "Yeah, I don't care about that. I need still need people to commit to a basic color scheme." Yeah, and, like, for, the, for Wendell, to... <laughs> yeah, and it's just like Prince Wendell's coronation or whatever. <laughs> it's like a seating chart. <laughs> yeah, he's really upset that no one's committing to that. Yeah, and they're like out of flowers in some kingdom, so he has to like switch it all up. And yes, stuff, yes, and... we saw that with those little swatches that he. Showed. Yeah. Yeah. So just Super shout out to Lord Rupert. We love you. Five out of five stars. Thanks for inspiring this segment. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's get into the music. Um, unfortunately, one of our fave jams, that Saturday Night Fever song, is no more because yeah. they, like, you know, threw the boombox in a lake or whatever. But we did get a song um, <laughs> in this scene when, or this chunk, <laughs> whenever the gypsies are like, okay, great, join us for a meal. They're like, sing for us. Because they want a song, I guess, as payment for. <laughs> they want Taking some, them in. Yeah, they want some freaking entertainment if we're going to feed you. Against their will. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Tony's like, oh, I, I'm not a big singer or whatever. And they're like, is our hospitality not worth a song? So, <laughs> as he holds his giant knife again. Yeah. <laughs> like, intimidating them. It's like, you won't let them go, but you also, I don't know, it's just very strange, but... They um, want a song. Tony's like, fine, sure, I'll, I'll sing a song. So, he so sings. <laughs> Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves by yes, Cher. by Cher, yeah. And his rendition is, you know, just a, a raw performance, I would say. <laughs> Complete with pelvic thrusts. <laughs> yes, and like tummy taps. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's like the gypsies are all kind of like, uh, whenever Tony is like... <laughs> seen this because obviously they can't relate to it at all because they're like they don't know what mobile is it's like um uh, man south of mobile um, um something something fed him with a hot, hot meal, meal. Yeah. which that part's relevant yeah well that's true that's true but like why did tony think he had to sing a gypsy related song he could have chosen so many more songs i think the pressure you know the yeah, performance anxiety was really getting to him yeah <laughs> So, uh, we looked up the song. It's a song by Cher, who I didn't know was born Sherilyn Sarkisian. Wow. Did you know that was her real name? Absolutely not. The song Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves huh. came out in 1971, and it hit number one on the Billboard Top 100 list that year. Which I don't get, because this song is, like, super depressing. Yeah, what is the song about? It's, like, about um, a girl who's, like, the daughter of, like, a gypsy and every they like travel around and she ends up like having sex with this guy and gets pregnant and then oh. her daughter suffers the same fate like dancing for coins and um it's just like the cycle of poverty basically 
Oh, goodness. It's, like, really sad. Yeah. God, Tony, horrible choice. <laughs> Aw. Um, okay. So, anyway... Don't know how the gypsies would know what Mobile is or whatever, and that's why they look so confused, but it pans to, like, um, or it kind of shows Wolf and Virginia as Tony's singing this, and Virginia's kind of, like, just, like, mm, like, rolling her eyes and, like, just, like, being, like, nobody pay attention to me, and Wolf's, like, yeah, like, trying to, like, clap along, like, pretending it's, like, a great song. He's trying to get everyone pumped, all the yeah. people sitting around the campfire. So they just are very unappreciative of, like I said, Tony's raw performance of this song. Well, I mean, they just heard a one of their songs. And it was so good. They had like fiddle and accordion and everyone was like, it was like real peppy. Like, yeah, everyone's <laughs> dancing. And then he's like, yeah, just south of Mobile. <laughs> Why do you think Tony was the one who had to perform? I don't know. I think he just gets the shit jobs all the time. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I think maybe it was because like he's the eldest male of the group. So they just assume he's in charge. Maybe yeah. he like speaks for them. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, who were the other, other choices? Virginia would not have done it. No, and she has to sing something later. Yeah. In the series. Um, and and Wolf, Wolf just pushes Tony, like, right Yeah, seriously. <laughs> He's, like, saving his own neck there, but I don't know why it had to be him. I would love to hear Scott Cohen sing, though. Yes. <laughs> he could have charmed that group. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but this, like, reminds me of, like, other scenes in movies where the main character is, like, put on the spot to perform a song to either, like, placate a host or because the main performer drops out at the last minute or, like, they're just, like, they're shoved in the spotlight for some reason. And this happens a lot, actually, in cinema. Yes, we were trying to come up with a list. So here's our list of movies that we could think of. <laughs> um, the best of which we think Well, is... that's your opinion. Man. Well, maybe not. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> the best of which. One that we reference a lot more than the others is, um... <laughs> Well, because Lord of the Rings is on this list, yeah. so that's why. Um, okay, the first one on our list, how about that? In no particular order, um, is The Black Knight, starring Martin Lawrence. Uh, he's a character from modern times who goes back to the Middle Ages, and he's put on the put on the spot to perform a song for the king. And so there's, like, a medieval, like, chamber orchestra, like, he's like, can I get some drums? And the guy's just going, like, burr, burr, like... <laughs> Like a medieval drum. Oh god! And he's like, um, no man, I need some like some beat or whatever. Like boom, boom, boom. Like, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, he ends up getting the band to eventually oh, they do good, and he sings um, "Ride Sally Ride" by Al Green. Yeah, and he does amazing. It's successful mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, and then the king and the king's court and everyone starts like dancing, and they have like a whole like. Um, improvised dance where they all do the same thing and like have the same choreography. <laughs> There's a lot of good horns in that song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They use the medieval trumpets and like beep, 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 beep. <laughs> yeah, those dudes that have only ever played like medieval orchestra <laughs> all of a sudden can play funk, but it's great. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, so another movie. Yeah, Return one. of the King. Return of the King, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Pippin has to sing to Boromir and Faramir's horrible dad <laughs> while he disgustingly eats tomatoes. Yeah, ugh, I hate that scene so much. Yeah. I mean, watching people eat is already kind of gross, but <laughs> when they're just coming out of your Spewing sides. Spewing out their jowls. Yeah. yeah. No, thank you. Um, Pippin sings Edge of Night. It's a part of a poem in the books called A Walking Song. Billy Boyd, who played Pippin, made up the melody, actually. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And Brianna had this on several mixed CDs as a teenager. I, I think did. I might still have one of those. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I love this song. But I would always, like, it's like, um, it's one of the songs from the soundtrack, 
And so it has, like, the score, and then, like, this little part's, like, 40 seconds or something, like, in the, like, three minutes in, and then there's, like, some more score after it. Yeah, biggest regret of that movie, I bet. It should have made not a single it track. Yeah. And they give us a remix. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, love that oh, song. Oh, wow, emotional. Who's behind the world ahead? We won't sing it all for you, just go look it up, it's great. You should sing it. <laughs> um, Mist and shadow. <laughs> Gosh, I'm getting goosebumps and yeah. tears at the same time. <laughs> um, okay, next example we could think of was the great Britney Spears movie, Crossroads. <laughs> Which I don't even want to hear it. It's a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Nobody write us in to tell us how it sucks, but we don't care. We love it. <laughs> um, Brittany, like, and her little group of friends are, like, trying to make money at this karaoke bar because people, like, tip for good singers or something. And... Dancing for coins. Yeah. Ooh. Good connection. <laughs> um, but the main lead singer girl, she, like, chickens out at the last second. It's like, I can't, I can't be the front girl. I have to be the backup singer. So then Brittany has to get up and do I Love Rock and Roll by Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Yeah, it's great. Get off the stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a guy, the shitty guy in the audience, when the main, or the girl who couldn't, who she, like, chickened out, um, is like, uh, and, like, can't really do it. Like, is, like, too nervous to sing or whatever. He just screams, get off the stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so now, like, our whole lives we've said that yeah. to, like, any performance, whether it's good or bad. <laughs> we're just when we're tired of hearing someone talk. We're yeah. Like, get off the stage. <laughs> um... Let's see. Next, we have Ooh Superbad. One of your favorites. I love Superbad. Uh, Michael Sarah's character. <laughs> they go to the house party to steal beer or whatever, and um, <laughs> Michael Sarah's character gets mistaken for Jimmy's brother. Whoever that is. Whoever that is. And these <laughs> the guys who are like in this back room who are like doing cocaine or something. Mm. They like they're like, oh, it's Jimmy's brother. He has the beautiful voice. <laughs> Sing us a song, Jimmy's brother. <laughs> but one of them has like a knife or something. And they were already, like, a, very intimidating because they were talking about, like, praying for a fight and stuff like that. Yeah. So Michael Sarah's character um, just ends up singing uh, These Eyes by the Guess Who. It's like, these eyes. Is his voice beautiful? <laughs> Michael Sarah's is okay. Yeah. I don't think it's, like, Jimmy's brother's quality. <laughs> he doesn't wow the crowd. He does. They all, like, pipes. start closing their eyes and, like, singing along. I'll have to watch that one again. I love like you. <laughs> that sounds funny. <laughs> All right, next we have in Back to the Future, Michael J. Fox's character Marty has to sing at his parents' prom, and he's um, in a band in the 80s, so it's not like he doesn't know what he's doing. So he's like, okay, it's not like he's, like, that nervous or anything. Yeah, so... But uh, he ends up singing, like, a, and playing guitar for a song that hasn't even been invented yet. Yeah, that's right. But that was a rocking part of the movie. Yeah. I did like it. But then you look at the audience, and they're all like, ugh. Or maybe they were dancing too, but he says, like, you guys might hate this, but your kids will love it. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so. Talk um, about grandfather paradox and yeah. stuff. <laughs> Next, what do we got? We got um, Mockingjay Part 1 Ooh. of the Hunger Games series, or saga, or whatever it's called. Um, Jennifer Lawrence character Katniss Everdeen um, is prompted to sing a song from the heart. Um, they're, like, having, like, a picnic. They're going back to, like, look at um, District 12 because they're, like, recording um, oh, film yeah. to use as propaganda against the Capitol. And they're like, sing us a song. Well, the guy, the mute guy, I forget his name. Um, he's like, they're listening to the mockingbirds and he's like, oh, you sing something for me. Like he like communicates that to her with like sign language kind of. And so she starts singing a folk song from district 12 called the hanging tree. Super it's dark. Like, it's like super dark. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> let's meet where they killed the guy, like the hanging tree guy. 
or they kill people at the hanging tree. Let's meet. Um, I remember the, reading that part is, I don't mm-hmm. know, a poem or something, I thought, but... There's, like, a really good sense. remix of it on the soundtrack, though, and so that's definitely my workout <gasps> okay. playlist. Okay. Mm. It's like, are you, 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 are you, Sweet. are you <laughs> coming to the tree? <laughs> <laughs> the little dance mix. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> it has a I bump of beat. I love it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that hmm, takes me to a dark mindset. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's the next one? What's the next one? The next one is Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah. <laughs> I love Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? It's a great movie, too. Um, so their whole thing friends Everett, Pete, and Delmer, and their guitarist Tommy that they find, you know, just hanging out on the side of the road. Who sold a soul to the devil for the chance to play the guitar. Yep. They go sing into a can at a radio broadcast tower to make some money. They perform as the Soggy Bottom Boys and record a super hit on the fly called I Am a Man of Constant Sorrow. Yeah, that song's so good. I love this whole soundtrack. It's in my car. I listen to it regularly. Yes, it's such a great one. And a bunch of Oscars and stuff. Or Grammys. I was going to say, it should for the music because mm-hmm. it was amazing. And that's funny in that movie because they don't even know that their song's a hit the whole time. I know, until the very end. Yeah. Too bad that didn't happen to Tony. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> or can you imagine just like recording something just because you needed money really quick and then it ends up being like a super hit? No. I can't imagine that at all. We're getting $5 in each for each person in the band. I thought it was a lot of money. But... Well, it wasn't the depression for sure. No, I can't imagine anyone asking someone to do that. <laughs> And then um, the last thing that we could think of was there's a um, like a cartoon mini series on Cartoon Network called Over the Garden Wall that I absolutely love. Um, and there's two brothers they are like lost in the woods making their way. But works the oldest brother has to sing a song for a bunch of people at a tavern to explain who he is. They're like, oh, are you the lover? Are you the pilgrim? Are you the whatever? So they're like, sing us a song. And he's like, um, my name is Wirt and his name is Greg. We're related because my mom remarried and then gave birth to him with my stepdad. That's <laughs> <It's laughs> like, so cute. This <laughs> is my kind of improvised jam. Yeah. It's cute. And you have that on vinyl, don't you? Yes, I do. I love that soundtrack too. That's another one where it sounds very old timey. So I like it a lot. Well, yeah, those are great examples of yeah, well, let's bring it back to the Tenth Kingdom. If you were put on the spot by the Gypsy Queen slash Gypsy Camp, um, what would what song would you have sung? I would have chosen something way more relevant, like that they could understand the terms or the nomenclature yeah. or whatever. So I chose a Pirelli's Miracle Elixir from Sweeney Todd. Todd. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. Because it's it's like that era. Yeah, try Pirelli's Miracle Elixir. That'll do the trick, surgery, surgery. And it's about growing hair. Yes. Oh my gosh, they would totally get that. The Gypsy Queen would be very appreciative of it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, that's what totally I true. Hmm. I think I would choose a song that I, like I know all the words to that I could like belt out, <laughs> and you um, have an amazing singing voice. So, <laughs> well, thank you. Your I options just, are open. I can hold a tune. I'm not like great <laughs> or anything. Um, but I would choose "When You're Good to Mama" from Chicago. <laughs> oh yeah, that would be a perfect song because <laughs> it's like an entertainment type song. You know, she does yeah. like the fan dance and stuff, and you I wouldn't go, do like, that. But rub your finger down one of their cheeks. Yeah, down and she'd like sit in their lap or whatever. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> Gosh, yeah. You guys would not be in like a hidden encampment anymore. I feel like if you sing that song. Yeah, I'd be like, give me a stage. Yeah. Everyone would have heard it. That's yeah. cool. Good choice. Cool. Okay, well, that's it for our music segment. <laughs> good talk, good talk. Good try, Tony. Yeah, good try, Tony. <laughs> Um, ooh, let's look at, let's go into our fairy tale segment. 
Let's talk about the fairy tales tales that were kind of touched on. We know Wolf mentioned the five women who changed history, Snow White, Cinderella, Gretel the Great, Cream Riding Hood, and Lady Rapunzel. Um, What else comes up with fairy tales, though? Definitely Rapunzel. Yeah, she's, yeah. Because um, he's like, let down your lustrous locks, and she, Virginia, throws out her super long hair. Yes. And has to climb up to rescue her from a tower of sorts, so that's like a definite Rapunzel vibe. Absolutely. Yeah, and we have Rumpelstiltskin a little bit. Oh, yeah, because Tony, like, totally thinks <laughs> that his name is Rumpelstiltskin just because it's like, guess my name or else this horrible thing will happen. And that was Rumpelstiltskin, right? I thought so, yeah. Or it was like, spin, no, I'll spin this gold. Yeah, he spun, yeah, who is, who does the name? I think it was Rumpelstiltskin. It was like, I'll spin this gold for you. He does the work for the princess because she can't, like, complete it in one night. Yeah. And I guess he, I don't know, we'll have to retouch up on that one. Yeah, but I I, I definitely thought it was something about guessing his name. Me too. Hmm. I'm going to look back back up. Gosh, how can we not remember? I don't know. It's a classic. I know. I I keep thinking of Rumpelstiltskin from the Once Upon a Time series from ABC. I definitely saw the beginning of that. Yeah, and I don't remember from there either. Um, So anyway... We'll look that up and give you some more info on it next time. <laughs> it's a fairy tale thing. I mean, we know that. Yeah, we know it's that for sure. From that realm. Um, and then, obviously, Snow White and the Dwarf's Cottage. That comes up. So there's a lot of stuff in this one. Yeah, a lot of good nods. Yeah, we get a lot of backstory stuff for the mm-hmm. Knight of Kingdoms. I like that. For sure. Um, next segment, let's talk about the CGI. What does CGI stand for? Oh, great. <laughs> I was I'm like, I, I could know. not think of computer generated images yes oh. that's right Computer okay that's right <laughs> um well the cgi for this folks as you know is circa 1999 that premiered in 2000 so they're eh. working with what they got yeah they're working with what they got <laughs> they probably didn't have a super big they had a large clothes budget and a costume wardrobe budget so i think they didn't use a lot of it on the cgi um <laughs> but that's okay it just makes it um more endearing i think yeah the part that we're going to mention is water, and I think water is super notorious for being hard. Yes, to that's true. That's true. Okay, so let's get into that. So we're talking about the CGI that is the puddle in that log that the queen reaches out to Wolf, and it's kind of like um, it's like her face is being shaped by the waves of the water. Yeah, and she's talking through it, kind of like those metal things we used to stick our faces on. Yes, with like the nails or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, and the, yeah, and then you put like a handprint <laughs> in it. Yeah, we always put it on our faces. <laughs> Super sanitarium. Yeah, like every everyone in Walmart, we're like, let's let's put it on our face. (laughs) Hey, kids got something to do. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's like her face, and she's communicating like her. Yeah, it's like whatever. But the as you said, water is very, I think, notoriously hard to make look like water. So it looks more like silvery. It looks more like. like mercury, kind of, to me. Yes, that's a great, yeah, that like does liquid look mercury. like mercury. But it gets the point across. We know it's water. And that, you know, she's communicating through it because it's a reflective surface. Yeah. Just like a mirror, so. Um, let's talk about Wendell's Hunting Lodge. Yes. Wendell's <laughs> Hunting Lodge is kind of ridiculous looking. Yeah, because whenever <laughs> it, like, shows the mullet-haired guy, he's, like, riding his horse down this, like, um... Uh, tree-lined lane to get to the hunting lodge. The whole hunting lodge is CGI'd, and you could totally tell. 
um, because it's like massive and it just doesn't look like the background really. Like you can tell it's like a green screen with the CGI on it. Oh yeah. And then like all the ivy looks kind of off. But then when he gets up to it, like, and he's like knocking on the door, they like, I think they built a set piece for that, but then they still, um, did CGI for all the ivy. Which seems like a strange choice. Yeah, they could have just used the ivy off of um, the Huntsman's ghillie suit. And yeah. Just, like, <laughs> <laughs> just hung that ghillie suit. Hung it on the Giuseppe's. So but that yeah. one leaves, uh, it's, that one's pretty apparent, but it still gets the point across that it's like an overgrown foresty, uh, you know, hunting lodge in the woods. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Um, it's like hard to focus on. It is. It's hazy or smoky, sort of. Yes, like, um, yeah, that's like it. Yeah. Maybe that's a exactly. characteristic of all bad CGI, or outdated CGI. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to say bad, but. Yeah, because it was probably good for the time. But yeah, the mullet dude, he definitely works it mm-hmm. as best he can. Yeah, he's like, wow. Okay, my note is that this is full of ivy and it's huge and it totally sells it. <laughs> <laughs> but then he tragically gets moited. Not a lot to work with, but he, yeah, he did it. <laughs> what do you think of the magical birds? Um, I don't think they hold up very well. <laughs> One, because like you said, they have that quality where they're like, they're like shimmery kind of, I guess, which I guess is yeah. just outdated CGI, but, um, but I think the coloring on them is actually pretty good. They have like fun iridescent colors and different colored tummies. Mm-hmm. And whenever they talk, their mouths move in line with the speech pretty well. So I think yeah. they're okay for the most part. What do you think? I liked them okay. Um, they're small enough too. They're not the entire background of a scene or anything. So yeah, it's yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I like when um the one CGI bird like lands on Tony's shoulder to tell him the to whisper the name Juliet's name that he read out yeah. of the hat. One magical birds can read, which is cool. That is really um, cool. I never thought of that. <laughs> yeah. Good for the birds. But then Tony's acting. He like leans really hard over into his shoulder, like he's like listening into for a secret. Yeah, the director's like, "There's a bird. It's right here on your shoulder." <laughs> He's like, got it. <laughs> um, okay, let's jump into our segment about um, scenes and, like, the landscapes and stuff. So we've been doing a um, little segment on here where we read to you straight from the wiki about the different kingdoms. So, Alyssa, do you want to read about Kingdom um, 5? Yes. So this is the Naked Emperor Kingdom. Um, the Naked Emperor reigns over the Fifth Kingdom. Excess gluttony and bombast are rampant What's throughout. Bombast? Um, I'm going to look that up. Yeah, let's look that up. I'm going to guess. I'm in the same line as like gluttony or whatever. Yeah, like just outrageous. Um, bombast. High sounding language with little meaning used to impress people. Oh, oh, so they're just like pretentious, I guess. Okay, they're snooty. Snooty, okay. The bourgeoisie. Oh yeah, they're bougie. <laughs> uh, the social calendars of the fat and greedy residences are dominated by beer and sausage festivals. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Deceit and corruption are common, and their official color is purple. Ooh, best color so far, in my opinion. It is. Wasted on, like, the worst kingdom. Gosh. <laughs> I wouldn't mind living there. You're just going to, like, go party and eat all the time. <laughs> but there's things going on in the world they need to care about. They're just worried about their sausage festivals. <laughs> That's <laughs> that true, seems I seems kind of lame. <laughs> and deceit, corruption. Oh, yeah, I don't like that part, I guess. But purple, that'd be worth it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, um, the Sixth Kingdom was once ruled by Queen Rapunzel. Cool. The entire population, including Sleeping Beauty, so I guess they just lumped them into the same kingdom, is now asleep under a hundred-year spell that no one can break. The kingdom is surrounded by a giant thorn wall. Spells, magic traps, and puzzles deter all but the most clever of travelers from entering. Its official color is pink. 
Gosh, I want to know more about the sixteen though. Yeah, that one sounds like the most interesting because it's like, I don't know, it's like preserved maybe. Yeah. Like you can go see like what it was like a hundred years ago or whatever. And the puzzles alone. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the fifth and sixth kingdom for us. Let's talk about the disenchanted forest, which we spend a ton of time in. Well, the entire time in, in this segment. Yeah. And forests, that's a, you know, a theme that gets um, brought up a lot in other fairy tales. Yeah. Like, um, what are some other fairy tales with forests in them? My favorite, Hansel and Gretel. Ooh, yeah, they have to go through the forest to find the, the witch or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess Little Red Riding Hood takes place in the forest, like, yeah. to, through the woods to Grandmother's house. Yeah, and I mean, their kingdom color's brown in Nine Kingdoms, so yeah. they're like, very foresty. <laughs> um, doesn't Beauty and the Beast, his castle's, like, in the forest? Yeah, it is, I think. And she has to, like, travel through it with those scary wolves and stuff. Yep, as her dad gets stuck on the road there and mm-hmm. stuff, yep. Oh my gosh, and the Into the Woods, our favorite song, yeah. Into the Woods. Into the Woods house. to the Grandmother's House. That had, totally happens in uh, Enchanted Forest. If you haven't heard the original. Yeah. Broadway, please. yeah, cast recording. Go listen. It's amazing. Yeah. I've only ever seen the Disney version like once or twice. Yeah, and it was it was good. For it was good. It, was, it but... just makes me too sad because it reminds me of Dad. Yeah, our dad <laughs> loved it. Brianna was um, in the orchestra. Yes, in high school, yeah, I was in the pit orchestra, played the flute for an Into the Woods rendition by mm. our school. So that's where my love of it started. It was yeah. amazing. Shout out Into the Woods, we love you. Thank yes. you, Stephen Sondheim. We've talked about him a lot this episode. Well, not oh, a lot, yeah. twice. <laughs> yeah. well, that's a lot. He yes. also did a. Uh, um, he did a lot. The of Demon Barber of Fleet Street. That's yeah, right. Yeah, totally. Sweeney Toad. Sweeney Toad. Um, I looked up some cool facts about the forest, though, that they filmed this in. Well, give them to us. It's called Alice Holt Forest, um, specifically this section called Burn Wood, and it's in Hampshire, England. And there were some other famous films that were filmed in this forest slash wood. Um, I guess apparently it's like kind of close to... Um, like the filming studios that are in London. It's okay. not too far, so they film a lot of stuff here. But one thing that they filmed there was like a scene in Gladiator, which I will admit I've not seen. Hmm. Um, it's in The Golden Compass. Um, it's in Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, which I thought was cool. Wow. Not sure when. When are they in the forest in that one? Um, maybe. Maybe it's like scenery in the background. Yeah. I'm sure they're in the, for- maybe it's like the in the Forbidden Forest if they're in there at some point. When they're, yeah, Aragog's um, funeral isn't in the forest. That's the only no, time that's I like, remember him leaving. Yeah, that's like at Hagrid's. Hmm. Well, anyway, there's some scene in there, which is cool. Um, another fairy tale, Snow White and the Huntsman, the Kristen Stewart one. Wow. Was filmed there. Had no idea. And then the 2010 version of Robin Hood. So, get some uh, that is very fairy cool. tales in there. That's cool. Um, another, let's see, scene we saw was the gypsy camp. Um, we haven't really described that, but it's basically like there's like a classic gypsy caravan and then like a bunch of tents and then they have these like really big, they're like cotton sheets, I guess, like tied up in the trees to give them some privacy from the forest, like kind of to enclose the space. There's like a big campfire in the middle. Um, there's like logs that they have to sit on around the campfire it looks super um, awesome. It looks super awesome. Yeah. I, would, I would totally be a gypsy except for the fact that like you're poachers and you're just going to be murdered at any minute by the huntsman. Maybe we could find a new line of work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but just like camping and like being outside. Yeah, time. that would be awesome. 
Um, let's see, we saw the Huntsman's Tree. This totally reminded me of the tree in The Princess Bride, mm-hmm. where Wesley's taken to, like, be tortured. Um, and that later, Inigo Montoya uses his, his father guides his sword, and he, like, <laughs> he hits, like, the knot on the tree with his sword, which opens the secret door so he can go in and rescue him. Oh, yeah. And in this, the Huntsman kind of, like, just taps on the tree to open the secret Wraps door. Wraps his knuckles on it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think, as we mentioned in one of the previous episodes, like you used to do all the time. We'd always have bloody knuckles from like. <laughs> yeah, had to try it out. One day I thought it was going to work. But... Yeah, tapping on trees. <laughs> um, and then the last real scene, or last like uh, scenery, landscape, whatever we get is the dwarf's cottage, which we've talked about. There's that graffiti on the wall. Um, and the thing I thought was cool about the cottage is that. Um, it has, like, grown apple trees around it. And Tony's like, ooh, yummy, an apple. And, like, plucks one and starts eating it. And uh, Wolf, like, snatches it and throws it down on the ground. I was like, think about what you are! Like, that's yeah. probably grown from the seeds of the tree, or the apple that originally poisoned Snow White. Yeah, Tony. So I thought that was just, like, a cool tie-in. That is a really cool tie-in. I wish he'd gotten to eat his apple, though. I know, right? That's, like, the only food they'd have in days. <laughs> since that hedgehog or whatever. Um, okay, let's get into our favorite segment. Hot or not! I made a song for this last time, but I don't remember what it is, so we'll just make a new one. Boy, it's hot or not, y'all. Hot or not. I'll just be on the background. That was perfect. Hot or not. Okay, let's talk about, (laughs) in no particular order, um, let's start with Mullet Guy. Is Mullet Guy from something else? I feel like I've seen him in something. I'm giving him a big old nut. I'm giving him a big old nut, too. Well, actually, I I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say hot because he knows how to ride a freaking horse. (laughs) And he looks majestic. He does look majestic. And he's like the only one of them who's like, yo, this doesn't seem right. And we really need Wendell to figure out what to do with these trolls. Like, he's like the brains of the the cabinet members, apparently. So true. That's got to count for something. But his mullet is just so horrible. He has like these really, it's not really a mullet, like an 80s mullet. It's just like. I don't know, because Lord Rupert kind of has, like, the same sort of hairstyle, but it doesn't look as mullety on Lord Rupert. This guy just has really short bangs and really short hair at the front, like, by his ears, and then as soon as, like, the ears to the back of his head is, like, super long. Yeah, it looks almost like he bleached in and fried, like, that (laughs) first top layer. (laughs) It's just super short. Yes, and his little bangs are teased all funny, so I, overall, I'm gonna give him a knot. (laughs) I'll go with hot for the horse aspect, but also just gonna throw that out there. Like he was my man, I'd be shaving his head or something. Like styling him a little differently. Yes, or putting a pretty bow, or I don't know anything but that. Okay. (laughs) Let's talk about Juliet the Woodsman. Hot or not? I don't not. I'd say not. He's just too grubby and dirty. Yeah, a little too dirty for me. Yeah. Uh, I, the eyes yeah. freak me out. <laughs> yeah, and he obviously takes pleasure out of chopping people's heads off, which I'm not really into. Oh, yeah. Gosh, I don't even <laughs> take those things into context. I should probably care about that. <laughs> but yeah, he's a total His eyes are creepy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. So, uh, sorry, Juliet, we're giving you a knot. How about the Gypsy Queen? Hot. For sure, hot. Super hot. Super cool rogue hair. Magic powers. She don't take no crap from nobody. Don't take no crap. She's like the matriarch of a society. Yeah, she tells everybody what to do the whole time. Love it. Hot, for sure. Very hot. Okay, let's talk about... Ooh! Your favorite. My favorite! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Wolf, when they're in the um, cottage and he's like, has a swashbuckler look going on. Yeah. He is so attractive. The best in this, like, (laughs) the whole movie he looks like right now in that scene. I don't know why. He's just like, um, it's like his casual look. Uh, but he, I don't know, he just looks very debonair. Yeah, and he's so relaxed and comfortable and... Yeah. 
He looks very clean. <laughs> and at this, yeah, he looks clean. At this point, like, I think his, um, he has uh, kind of quieted his beast within with, uh, with his therapy. So, yeah. like, he's just in a good place. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, how about Tony? Hot. Always. <laughs> Always hot. <laughs> he did nothing that's, that wasn't hot in this section. <laughs> I guess he, like... He saves the wolf's butt. Sort of by cheating, but he was the one who put it in danger in the first place. I don't know. I don't know. I'll give him a not plus. <laughs> so, like, he's in the middle between not and hot. <laughs> what would it take for you to change your mind? Um, I'd, I'll give him a hot at the end when he's wearing, like, a really nice outfit. Okay, yeah. His tweed slash wool coat gets a little much to look at all the time, but... Yeah, I feel like it emphasizes... I don't know. Because he's all, okay, shout out to, uh, I was going to say Tony, but I'm trying to think of his actor's name, John LaRoquette. He is in a show I really like called The Librarians. Yeah. And he has like a kind of a British accent and his hair is like silver and like smooth back and he wears lots of suits and stuff. Ooh, and nice. I think he looks attractive there, but I'm going to give him a not plus for this scene. Well, okay. I'll stick with my gut. Yeah, you could say, say stick hot. a pot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I get what you're saying though. And then Virginia... Let's talk about, <laughs> okay, when she has her long hair, I think she is so pretty. Very, very pretty. Um, especially, like, by the firelight, and her eyes are just, like, crystal clear blue. Um, yeah. And she and Wolf are chatting, and he, like, reaches over and moves her hair. She looks really pretty, so I'll definitely get her hot there. Yeah, I liked, actually, when it grew out maybe a couple more inches, and that's when Tony notices her hair. Mm -hmm. I thought it looked gorgeous like that. Mm -hmm. I wish it had stayed about that length. Yeah, same. But then... Oh, my goodness. Because Wolf... I don't know. Didn't have any sense at all. It was probably just because they wanted to shock the viewers with like how different she looks now or something like post her I traumatic haircut. <laughs> Wolf, instead of being a normal person <laughs> and chopping her hair off with the magic axe at like the shoulders, I don't know what happened, but she ends up, we see like her, her hair is like two inches long and a spikes around her entire head. Yeah. She's furious. And she looks, and she looks like crazy yeah. like she has like crazy eyes and she's like super po about it <laughs> i would be too uh she did not look good right there but she ends up like smoothing it down and then she ends up with a really cute pixie haircut oh yeah and it she styles it great and it looks mm -hmm. good but that first view of it yeah oh my god i'd have to give her a definite not there <laughs> yeah not for that moment then hot for every other moment in the whole movie yeah for sure <laughs> And not to hate on short hair or anything or, you know, like that, but, but it the way it's a shock. And it's, like, meant to look like, what? Like, like she psycho. slept on it yeah. or, <laughs> like, Wolf closed his eyes and just. Yeah. That's another tie to uh, Rapunzel, kind of, because in Tangled, <gasps> oh, Disney's Tangled, yeah. um, Flynn cuts her hair and um, he cuts it with, like, a shard of mirror, so it's just, like, with glass. Um, but instead of cutting it like a normal human and cutting it out the shoulder length so that then she could style it to however she wanted... He cuts it super duper short, and then she just has like what reminds me of like, um, like skinny nineties twenty something hair, where like really like just it goes yes. like goes down like just does ninety degrees out the out, you know, like, like Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> yeah, so like a... um, Reese Witherspoon comes yes. to mind, maybe or like um, um ooh, exactly Josie and the about. Pussycats. Yep, Josie's hair flips out at the bottom yes, like that. Flips out like just at ninety degree angles. Yeah. Flips. So anyway. Um, yeah, maybe it's supposed to be, like, sensual for a man to go to a woman's hair or something. I don't know. <laughs> why that short? I don't get <laughs> why it. Why are they such... Why are they so bad? <laughs> yeah. Poor Virginia. I know. Um, but she makes her pixie cut look good, so we give her a hot. 
Um, anybody else that we need to cover for hot or not? I don't think so. I think that's all our noobs. Well, Lord Rupert. Oh, we can, yeah, we can give a shout out to Lord Rupert. What do you think? Hot. Hot, for sure. That's He's dressed to the nines all the time. <laughs> he cares and about his appearance. Sweat. His nails look nice. Yeah. Like, <laughs> very manicured. <laughs> yeah. We'll give him a hot. Looks like he smells good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, amongst like all the other people who obviously don't have deodorant or whatever because we're in like the fantasy realm. Oh my goodness. I don't even want to. Imagine that smell. That. <laughs> okay, let's um, switch gears. We got another fan letter. Oh my gosh, this is crazy. I know. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for writing to us. Um, write to us at wendellradio10 at gmail.com and maybe we'll read your letter. Um, so do you want to read this one that we got? Sure. Dear Brianna and Alyssa, First of all, thank you so much for creating the podcast. You're welcome. <laughs> I've been enjoying listening to you guys discuss one of my favorite shows. You laugh at all the same things that make me laugh, and you highlight all the great quotes that my brother and I say to this day. Oh, that's, that's, that's nice. funny. <laughs> We've been watching this, sh this show since we first saw it as middle schoolers on TV when it aired in 2000. I watch it every few months, especially as a background show while I work on projects or do chores. Solid. Yeah. My favorite character is Tony. Another Tony LeBron! Oh my goodness. This is exciting. My favorite character is Tony. I think he's the most relatable because he's had bad things happen to him, like his wife leaving him, losing his fortune, etc. And he still works hard to provide for Virginia. I would second that. I also feel like he grows out of being jaded and finds enjoyment in his journey through the Ten Kingdoms. He is the butt of the joke most of the time, but I find him endearing. He also owns up to his mistakes, like when he takes care of Prince after getting him turned into gold. And I love his zippy one-liners like, say hello to Benny and <laughs> time for walkies. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's, funny. That's funny. I have a question for you guys. Would you rather eat a beanstalk lunch from Snow White Memorial Prison or eat the hedgehog Tony was given for dinner by the gypsies in the forest? Thanks again for making the podcast. Can't wait for the next episode, Alice from Denver. Wow. Well, that was such a good letter. Alice. Yeah, thank you. thank you. Oh my gosh. What a good question. That is a great question. Well, I'm happy that there's another Tony lover out there. Oh, and too. I agree with all of her points. Um, you know, he does own up to his mistakes. And he does, he even says, like, I got him into this mess, so I'll get him out or something like that. Definitely takes responsibility. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, mm, yeah, I, I guess I agree with all of that for sure. So what would you rather eat, a beanstalk lunch from Snow White and Royal Prisoner or the Hedgehog? I don't know. Maybe what about they you? Had, if they had prepared the hedgehog differently, it was literally like <laughs> burnt charcoal, and you could still tell it was a hedgehog. Yeah, they didn't even get rid of its little face. I know, or, or it's like not quills, but whatever hedgehogs have on them. Um, hedge bumps. Hedge bumps. Yeah, whatever those <laughs> things are. Um, if they, if it was like prepared, like if it was like hedgehog stew, or like they just <laughs> like pulled the meat off the bone and put it in a taco, like I would <laughs> kebabs. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I would eat that over just like literally a plate with a charcoal hedgehog on it. Yeah, it sounds all crusty when it hits the plate, and oh, gross. Yeah, so I and I'm just weird about meat, so I I think I would have to choose the beanstalk, even though I know that it tastes like. A good beanstalk tastes like a sweaty mattress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's one of those things that's like um, the Birdie Bot's Sour Flavored Beans or something. It's like the possibility of the beanstalk like, being so disgusting. You just have to kind of try it. Yeah. That's that's so. true. It's like more appealing in that regard. Yeah. So I would I would choose that beanstalk lunch just because, I mean, they talk about it so much. I want to know what it tastes like. Yeah. And I feel like that's something we could never actually get in real life. Whereas, like, I guess we could eat a actual hedgehog in real life. Yeah, that'd be hard to do, but we could. 
<laughs> I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> well, good question, Alice. <laughs> thank yeah, you for writing thank in. thank you, Alice. That was awesome. Well, I think that's it, folks. Thank you for joining us. Wow, that's like the shortest episode I think we've had. I know, right? Um, this time, listeners, I don't know if you could tell, but we have like notes that are written out for us to go off of instead of us yeah. just like spitballing it. So it felt a lot more organized. So go us. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> thank you for doing that for us. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, so yeah, thank you guys um, for listening. Um, we've had a couple of people reach out to us on Instagram, on um, Reddit, and uh, I think we got a YouTube comment actually. So and everyone's feedback has been really nice. So keep it coming. Yeah, keep it coming. Thank you guys for listening. Um, you can find us on the internet at Wendell Radio 10. Um, that's Wendell Radio 10 on Instagram for notifications of our episodes. Um, you can find me, Brianna, on Instagram at Brianna underscore rules, R-U-L-E-Z. And where can we find you on the internet, Alyssa? <laughs> at WendellRadio10 at gmail.com. Perfect. <laughs> well, cool. Well, any closing thoughts for episode four? Uh, it was awesome. A lot of my favorite parts in it. Yep, I agree. A lot of good parts. Want to watch it again. Yeah. <laughs> well, folks, join us next time. Um, episode five, we'll get into Little Lamb Village. And we're going to be interviewing. Yes, that'll be a new segment um, for next pod. We will have a guest interview. Not um, our mom. Not our mom. And not <laughs> our husband or my husband. Yeah, like, not our <laughs> sister wives over here. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, we actually uh, have uh, two fellow fans who are yeah. sisters. And we will um, be showcasing their interview on our next episode. So, yay. Tune in. Yeah, tune in. Um, I guess with that, we'll sign off. Huff puff. Puff.